Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Hi, I'm Mike Litton. This is the Mike Litton Experience, and this is Mike Time. So two weeks before my son, our firstborn Michael, was born, there was a news story about two babies being robbed, being stolen from a maternity ward in Virginia. And naturally that got me on edge, right? Because, and they were using the same, that hospital used the same security protocol that the hospital that the kids were born in did. So I was naturally somewhat on edge. You know, you're already, you're already nervous when your children, when you're, you know, when you've never been through the childbirth thing before as a husband and as a father. And so I was, it sort of added to, I guess, my anxiousness, I guess is the best way to put it. So we, so we end up, um, we end up going to the, the OBGYN, my, my wife's doctor for a checkup. And it's, we're 13 days late. So we were due on October 1st. We're, it's now October 13th. And the, the doctor does the examination. And then she tells my, my wife, she says, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to go across the street to the hospital. I want you to check in and I'll be over once you're in and settled and relaxed um, and I'll induce labor. I'm concerned about the, the degradation of the placenta. It, it appears to be degrading or degrading fairly fast. And, I'm concerned about um, how quickly that's happening and, and the potential damage to the baby. And my wife said no. Now, mind you, she's two weeks late, so or almost two weeks late. And so, you know, for her to say no, we sort of both looked at each other, the doctor and I did, and I just kind of looked at her like, you're on your own. I don't know what to tell you. And she said, she said, I'll, what I'll do is I'll go home, I'll pack a bag, I'll come back, and I will um, check in tonight if you will promise me that I won't have this baby before midnight. And she said, can I ask why? And she said, yeah, it, today's the 13th of October and I don't want my son to have a birthday on the 13th of any of, on the 13th for the rest of his life. So we're gonna wait until after midnight to have him. So she comes in at eight, we go, we go pack a bag, we go to the, to the to the hospital, check in on the maternity ward, we're in, her, we're in her room, and the doctor comes in and does the insertion, the the, um, the, the inducement drug, basically, Pitocin is what it's called. She inserts her with Pitocin, and we start basically hard labor for the next several hours. We make it through the night, we go through the hard labor, we get all that finished, the, here comes the doctor at eight o'clock in the morning, and the doctor says, look, your, the, the water bro- her water had broken, Mar- Maram's water had broken about three or four hours prior. 
but she was, you know, still in contraction. So she was still, she had an epidural, but she was still contracting and she, her body was still pushing, trying to push Michael down the birth canal. Turned out his head was too big and he couldn't fit, which we already knew ahead of time. So they decide that, that she comes in and she says, look, it's your, it's your option at this point. Do you want a C-section? Do you want to just go get him? Or do you want to keep trying to, to, to do this naturally? Or like, go get him. So she said, we're going we're gonna to do a C-section. It's going to happen at 11 o'clock. So dad, you go and um, alert whoever you need to alert, update whoever you need to update. You had to go out back in those days, you had to go outside to use the cell phones. I had to go outside downstairs uh, and make, and I made two calls. I made a call to my in-laws, I made a call to my parents. And I told them, I said, you don't need to be here until probably one o'clock, probably won't have a baby until one o'clock or so. Uh, at least that's what they're telling us. We're not actually going into the, the operating room until 11. So those are the two calls I make. They're real fast. I make them real fast. I, I turn my phone off. I go back upstairs. When I walk upstairs, the, the nurse that is our nurse that's been working with us all night is standing there with a jumpsuit, a white jumpsuit, and a cap, a surgical cap, and a mask. And she said, oh, thank God you finally came back. And I'm like, what? And then she said, they're opening her right now. Now this, mind you, this is eight o'clock in the morning. This is three hours before the OBGYN had just told me a few minutes ago uh, that we were going to be that this was going to be happening. So this is a this is a story about intensity. Okay, um, I was not going to let this child out of my sight. It wasn't going to happen, and I was going to be hands on. I knew that from the minute that that he was born. The thing is, you know, now I'm suiting up real fast outside the operating room and I'm going in. You can only imagine what that felt like right? My heart was just in my throat because obviously something had happened in the last few minutes and it wasn't good because they're opening her up right now. <clears throat> so I go in and I, and I grab her hand and I try to act like, I'm not very good at acting, but I try to act like everything's fine, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm comforting her and I'm kind of stroking her forehead and I'm stroking her arm and I'm holding her hand and I'm doing what I can to comfort her, right? And the, the doctor goes in, they open her up, the doctor goes in, takes out the baby, takes Michael out, right? And so going to go, stop, stop, stop. Let me, I want to, I want the dad to see this. And so I, I look past the sheet that they have up and Mike, there's Michael with, you know, he's purple obviously, cause he's not breathing or any of that kind of thing. And the umbilical cord is wrapped around his neck like eight times. Looks like a big turtleneck looking thing. And she said, I just wanted you to see this before we, I'm like, just unwrap it. Oh my goodness. You know, and so then we cut the cord and all that kind of thing, and they get him, they get him breathing and all that, and everything's fine. <clears throat> so they held him, they hand him to me. I've never held a baby before in my life, so I'm asking them, "Am I doing this right?" You know, am I? They're like, "Just hold his head, you know, support his head, this and that." And I look down, and Michael's not even crying. He's like Mr. Chill. He he still is. I mean, even from day one, he was super chill, and he's just he's not even crying. He's just looking at me like, "Okay, Dad, what's next?" And I got a chill from head to toe because I realized that I was violating a promise that I had made to myself when I was a child. We'll do another Mike Time podcast on that, and it's basically about how I changed my schedule completely so that I could be more in control of my time than I was at the time. So we end up, so I, I get this chill. I'm like, what's next? They go, we need to take you to the nursery. We need to take the baby to the nursery. So we walk out the door. We go to the nursery, we walk in, they undo all of the stuff that's on him. So he was in a little papoose looking thing and he was perfectly comfortable and not, not crying at all, just looking at me like, okay, what's next? What do we do next? You know, kind of thing. And 
they take all of that off of him. Well, naturally, he, now he's cold, even though he's sitting under a heat lamp, and so he's upset. So he starts crying, so I'm trying to comfort him. And I figured out that if I stroked the outside of his, of his left thigh, that he would calm down. It, it was soothing to him, it calmed him down. <clears throat> so I got him calmed down. About the time I got him calmed down and he stopped crying, she went up and poked him in the, in the heel um, to test his blood, to make sure that he didn't have diabetes or whatever, right, to run all of his numbers. And that upset him, right? So now he's upset again. So here I am comforting him, trying to trying to help him. And the nurse, the head nurse comes over and she says, hey, I, they need you in, in recovery right now. Okay, that's, I can't even tell you what that's like. You're, you're just getting your son calmed down. You're in a whole new environment. You've never done this before. I'm sure you can imagine how that felt. I mean, my heart just jumped back up in my throat. I mean, this was just, what in the world, right? So I end up, I end up, my parents had shown up and they were standing on the other side of the glass and I said, hey, I've got to go. And my dad goes, can I take your spot? I asked the head nurse, she goes, yeah, if you're okay with it. So then my dad comes in, takes my spot. As I'm leaving, my dad, it reaches down where Michael is. Michael reaches up and grabs his finger, his, his, his uh, pinky finger. Um, and it was one of the coolest things you've ever seen in your life. So I go to recovery and I walk in and there's two nurses standing in the corner talking. And so I asked them, I said, can I help? You know, what can I do? You guys needed me? They said, well, she won't obey commands. I said, so you're talking about, so my wife is laying, Miriam is laying flat on this gurney and she's got her eyes closed. And they said, she's not responding. She's not obeying our commands. And I said, well, there's your first problem. You can't tell this woman to do anything, right? So I walk over to her, I get in her ear and I grab her hand. And I said, Miriam, can you hear me? Nothing. Didn't squeeze my hand, didn't blink, nothing. Miriam, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. Make some, you know, say something, whatever, right? Nothing. So now I'm really scared. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how scared I was. And so I said to her, I said, listen, in case this is a bout of attitude that you're having, which all of us can tend to have those, right? In case that's what this is, I just need to tell you, your baby boy's waiting for you and you can't go see him until you raise your back end up off of this gurney. She didn't squeeze my hand, blink, nothing. She just raised her, took us up off the, off the, off the gurney. It was a bout of attitude, right? Great, good job. So I leave, I go back to the nursery the head nurse says, you seem like a real hands-on dad to me. And I'm like, what was your first clue? Well, she said, take a look around. And they're at this point, now there's three or four dads in there with their babies. <clears throat> and all of them are two to three, sometimes four feet away from their newborn child. Some of them are videotaping, whatever. I don't have a camera. You know, all I'm doing is focusing on this kid. And she goes, I'm getting the impression that you want to wash his hair for the first time, get his, give him his first bath, put his first diaper on, I'm like, absolutely, sign me up. What do we, where do we go? So we go into the next room. We do all that. By, in the meantime, my wife has been taken into the, into the hospital room. So then I grab Michael up once that all that's finished and they're done with him. I grab Michael up and we walk in and I want to go in and, and introduce him to his, to his mother, right? This is the first time that she's seen him. She's basically asleep. She can barely, she can't really open her eyes. She's not really, you know, with it. So, um, so we hang out in the room 
And literally, we had to be there because she had a C-section. We were there for the next three days. So fast forward two days, and my wife is ready to go home. She wants to go home, she wants to go home, she wants to go home. Well, the only way that you can go home, or back then the only way you could go home after you had had a C-section was you had to get up and you had to walk around the quad. So there's hospital rooms all around the nursery and the, and the nurses' offices in the middle. So there's a quad, right? A square, right? So you walk down this hallway on these four sides, and once you do that successfully, you can go home. So I asked her beginning of the third day, I said, so are you, are you ready to go take that walk? And she said, yes. So if you can imagine, I've got Michael in this, in this hand, I've got her on this arm, my new family, right? And I are taking our first walk together, which is pretty cool stuff. And I hear this squeak, 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 squeak behind me. And I turn around and look, and this, there's a guy behind me in all white. He obviously works there. He's got a name tag, all that kind of thing. And he's pushing the bassinet that Michael was in, in the, in the room. And so the, we get around the third side and the head nurse comes out and I said, Hey, what's, what's this? She came out to check on us to see how we were doing. And I said, what's going on back here? She goes, well, she goes, honey, you're really intense. You're probably the most intense dad we've ever had here. And she said, and none of us have had the heart to tell you that for the last three days, you've been violating our insurance policy. You cannot, you cannot carry that baby everywhere you go in this hospital. When you leave that hospital room, you have to put that baby in that bassinet and push the baby. You can't carry it. Really, right? And she said, yeah. So I wouldn't let him out of my sight. I wouldn't let him out of my touch, away from me. I wouldn't. I rented the hospital room that Marion was in so that we would have a bed next to her and all three of us would stay in the same room. That's how focused I was on making sure that this baby wasn't stolen and making sure that I kept an eye on him and making sure that I protected him and protected my wife, if that makes sense. So here's the thing. All the ups and downs, all those crazy things that happened and all that heart in my throat that I had was all totally worth it. And it taught me a ton of things. One of them in particular was how much I love these children, how much I love my family, how much I love my wife, and how absolutely unbelievably proud I am to be their dad and to be to be the head of this family. And, and I mean, what an amazing, amazing privilege and what an amazing, humbling opportunity, right? It's something that I dreamed of from the time that I was a little boy and it was now coming true. And it was one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my life. What I learned from it is this, there's nothing, nothing more important than family. And there are very few things other than being a mother that are more important than being a father. This was an episode of Mike Time. This is the Mike Litton experience. I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you, I hope you learned something from it. I hope you have an amazing day today and we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. 
another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760. 